Hello. Gerald Van Heerden. Yes, Mr. Michael. Hello. <laughs> if I'm on the line, you're on the air. That is correct. It is Gerald Van Heerden. <laughs> See, I knew you were a theatrical enough guy. So many times when I get on there and I say, you're on the air, and goes, oh, uh, uh, and suddenly they try to get charming. You, you're ready. I could see you like sitting there with like a cigarette and a holder and a champagne glass, and you're just like ready to go. Well, Jay, you just hit it on the button. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am ready to go because I am... Going off grid the moment I disconnect. Oh my goodness, you're going into hiding. There you go. Yes. Well, yes. I am sure it's not about your show that's making you go into hiding. Because I'm hearing wonderful things. You have big crowds and the show is excellent and the whole works. Congratulations on, on this new project that I know it's only one of many concerning you. Uh, uh, tell our audience about Dangerous to Dance With. Well, uh, Dangerous to Dance With is quite an interesting, fascinating story, primarily because it is a combination of going into the world of some very interesting human characters and discovering them uh, at midlife when they have gotten stuck in life. And most importantly, the degree to which uh, we understand how they decide or not to become unstuck. There is mm. a playwright. There's a playwright. There is an acrobat. There is an artist. There is who, uh, someone who we think is a little bit... Uh, Shady. However, we find some very interesting qualities to him, but he is represented in the initial understanding as a plumber from New Jersey. Ha! Yes. So there is lots of interesting, fascinating um, humanity in terms of understanding all of the complicated nature uh, that we can uh, address and follow through in terms of wanting things and wanting to become more uh, attuned to uh, hope and uh, attuned to, I, I'm going to sound very, very simplistic here, but I think everyone is looking for a certain sort of love and a certain sort of validation in this place. It sounds like they're also at a, a, a turning point or a crisis in their lives, dare I say a midlife crisis. They're, yes. And, yes. And after speaking to the author, I know there's a whole bullfighting or bull jumping, as the case may be, uh, uh, underplot, subplot within this. There is. There is, an, and it's fascinating that um, you bring that up, uh, Jay, because it is very, very symbolic of where all of these people are at this moment. Uh, I think we all have, um, we all want to embrace life and we want to get the 
best out of life and we want to be engaged and have meaningful relationships. And the bowl really represents a understanding of having the guts and the, and the uh, bravo to face life and to face that bull and jump over that bull and take what you want from the people that that bull represents. And vice versa, it's a satisfaction that you can get from having the chutzpah and the bravo to hold on and, and, and don't be stuck in life and go out there and overcome and, and come to terms with what's going on and finding your, your path in life. Uh, it's funny, someone with the last name of Van Heerden, I wouldn't imagine to know the Yiddish word chutzpah, but okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'm secretly, secretly, um, I've been informed about quite a bit. Well, there um, you go. Uh, um, that's going to bring me to another point in a minute, but it's interesting. I just, uh, after speaking to William Rogers, the, the playwright, and now speaking to you, it's interesting because you have an artist, an acrobat, and a playwright, uh, and, and the plumber has a very interesting sideline, which I, I won't do any spoilers, but, but, uh, he has a very interesting sideline. So it's like you have these four people who have already jumped over the bull in their lives. They have these professions that are precarious enough that they have been jumping over the bull. So it's like they're finally, they're in this one location. It sounds like, can they still jump over the bull? This is entirely correct. And I am remiss as the most, one of the equally important characters is the artist because she really is the, uh, she symbolizes uh, for many and for me in particular uh, a kind of, ability to uh, come through life and to grapple with things that have happened to us and to find the wherewithal when we need to, to go out there and jump over that bull and to grab that bull by the horns and not let it defeat us. Sounds like you've grabbed the bull by the horns with this because you have a very uh, obviously clear uh, idea of this because... Because this is the story of all of our lives. How many of us, whether whether it's just going to work in the morning or, or trying to create a cure for something, we we all look at the bull every day. And 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 when can when do we no longer have the strength to spring over that bull? So this is a very powerful parable that uh, that this show seems to be giving to us. Yes, I I couldn't um, I couldn't underline that enough. And and I think it it is a it is a strong powerful, quiet story, because I think we can all understand in our lives about dealing with that bull every single day in whatever fashion that is, and I, uh, we can relate to that, and, and, and having the courage and the faith, and, and I think that also there are some times uh, when we just realize that the body sometimes and the will to do that every single time to get over that, that, that goal. Uh, sometimes we just realize that our, our body is only human and we sometimes the wear and tear of, of do, 
doing that every single time um, is very, uh, it, it is, we have to recognize our mortality. So it's also about recognizing, do we want to go out on top and do we want to uh, tell our story and do we want to be in control of our story? Mm. Or are we going to let outer forces be in charge of, of telling our story, whatever that is? Wow. That, yeah, that, that, that resonates, like you said, that resonates with everyone. That's not something where someone says, oh, I don't know about that. That's just living life. And that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, now, now uh, you made the joke when I mentioned about Yiddish and said you're well informed. You certainly are. You are you are a theatrical journeyman. Your name your name is associated in terms of the festival circuit on a very high level. You were artistic director of the legendary Midtown International Theater Festival for many years, and you have been involved in independent theater and off and off off Broadway for quite a while. Um, uh, uh, tell us about you. Tell us about uh, uh, the great Van Heerden. Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, what's uh, give us the, give us the scoop? Yes, yes. Well, um, I am always um, interested in being in the room and being engaged with um, a playwright with new work and with actors working behind it. It's really it, it is really where I found my place and my calling and. Uh, primarily, uh, I had the very incredible experience, as you say, of being artistic director with, for plays and solo works uh, at the Midtown International Theater Festival uh, by the producer John Chatterton. And it was just um, an incredible experience because although I was an artistic director and I had to develop a an essence of what a play was and, and how it would resonate and what the craft was, it allowed me to come into contact with some very, very good playwrights. And that was where I found my calling. I, and, I did, and I worked on um, the understanding of what my relationship was with a playwright and how, as a director, I could become and understand the language and, and the conversations that one has when you are dealing with a new work and birthing it, so to speak. So I say that because this is primarily where um, I am in my career at this moment. It's really about my relationships with playwrights, access to playwrights, and on top of that, building relationships with artistic directors who are have the opportunity to uh, give a green light to new plays that tell the stories that are so fascinating to me for where people are in their lives today. And I think that's the biggest thing that excited me most importantly about being an artistic director. I could shape and bring stories that had a direct parallel to where people were in their lives today with all the multitude of things that are going on, because it really feeds my understanding that we must see stories and we must tell stories that are reflective of people in their lives today and what's going on with them. So that just is really at the foundation of everything that I get uh, excited 
excited about and that I commit to and that I find a way to bring these new plays to whatever institution or whatever festival that I can and then attract the interest so that we can move it forward at the same dose. You're certainly in your element because the quality level at the Midtown International Theatre Festival was, was truly unparalleled. So so you you obviously have a very keen eye as to this. What do you look for when you when you read a play, when you speak to a playwright, when you're when you're preparing a work, what do you look for? Even when you're directing a piece, simply uh, simply something as simple as directing. Uh, uh, what what do you look for? What's what's on your agenda to pick a piece? Okay, uh, good question. Good question. So, the the biggest thing is that um, I am looking for a story that that and characters that come to life and that really begin to uh, tell about a, a certain kind of understanding, a certain kind of uh, faith, a certain kind of hope, and also uh, I'm very open to exploring the darkness that encounters many people in their lives. Uh, political darkness, uh, political anger, political hostility, uh, but essentially uh, I'm looking for redeeming qualities because I, I, I believe in the, the affirmation of life. I believe wholeheartedly. And so I think that is something in the story. There has to be a redeeming quality, and people have to struggle, and they have to start somewhere, and they're, they're on a journey. And so it isn't so much about preaching, but it's about a crafted, a well-crafted story that has a playwright behind it that really understands material and the people they're writing about. And I think that's been my greatest uh, my greatest joy and my greatest uh, interest is in playwrights who really understand the people, the places, and the ideas that they are writing about. Because that's who I come back to as a director. I have to have a conversation with a playwright about the people and the world they have created. Because then I use that language directly with the actors in the rehearsal room so that I can be, begin to shape and craft an understanding for them so they can make really interesting and informed choices in their work in building a character as the actor. Sounds like you have a... a uh, to, to quote Roger Hammerstein, a, a cockeyed optimism uh, when you talk about when you talk about hope and you talk about the future and things like that. Let's let's go. Let's let's look on the other side here. Now, now, what do you find is is your biggest obstacle when you're putting a play up as a director or artistic director or a producer? What's the biggest obstacle? And in independent theater, oh my God, we have about an hour and a half. Uh, but but what's the big one? What's the one that you go? Oh no, please don't let this happen. Right. I think that uh, the biggest obstacle I've, uh, for me um, is in uh, establishing the producing framework uh, and where is the financing coming 
for me to be able to uh, put this piece in in motion. And as I uh, matured, because I'm also an independent producer, um, the, the environment certainly um, is is very challenging, uh, but there are um, there are relationships that are cultivated, and ultimately, I'm looking for financing mechanisms. And there are so many uh, that one needs to be aware of, both self-funding and creating crowdfunding campaigns, as well as um, in my relationships, looking for funding that's that's going to be supported and come from uh, perhaps the artistic team themselves, either the playwright or enticing um, Broadway investors who have a commitment to their, this particular play. And although it might not initially be ready for um, a Broadway audience, they are they understand that new works that are vital need to be given prominence in theaters around the, the United States, and so I can appeal to them to invest in this particular play, as I've done on several occasions, for a regional audience. Uh, this past March, I very much said, Mm -hmm. And I also had a relationship uh, through the playwright um, with uh, a Broadway investor. And so she, being a native of Houston, very much wanted to give this the play that I had been directing. Uh, she wanted to see it take shape uh, uh, in the Houston area. So I began a journey of bringing it to Eileen. And she found the funding so that we could do so much more in the staged reading that we did at the Ensemble Theater this past March. Um, so once again, I think the biggest obstacle is the funding mechanism because I, I believe very firmly that new work needs to have a certain level of people involved and they need to be compensated for that. So I, I, um, I'm not uh, particularly, I don't feel right about coming to people and asking them in whatever level to be involved with something unless there is some sort of a funding mechanism. However, whatever that is, to be able to uh, engage them through their union affiliation. So, so for you, uh, the art is easy. You can find the great works. It's just a matter of finding the the people with the checkbooks and and the the venues behind them uh, yes. to get the work done. Um, yes. Now, you say about paying everyone. That's a really amazing thing. That's a really amazing thing because uh, how many actors out there have worked on spec? How many actors have worked for exposure and things like that? Do you think it's viable for an actor to work for exposure alone? Do you think there, do you have like a criteria, if you will? If, where would you work for free or if you would work for free? What, what's the criteria? The criteria has a lot to do with the institution or the environment, the people or the places who's being, you know, who's asking me. Um, it, it's 
and also it's about um, is it going to challenge me? Is this an incredible opportunity to be to have exposure to a larger institution or or a larger audience? So I think that's what it comes down to. If it is for little or uh, or transportation, then who is it, and what is the exposure? And am I real? Do I? Am I so overwhelmed with what this piece is that I've got to tell this story? So that those are that's the big thing. I knew that was coming. I, even though you're saying, you know, in terms of okay, who's seeing me and all of that, I said no. This guy, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and there it is. And of course, you said if the art of it is so important that you just had to do it. I knew you're one of those people who would say that. Um, what made you get into this in the first place? I ask this once in a while of certain people, and, and you're one of the ones I'd, I'd want to know. What made you get into the arts? Well, Jay, I think uh, that is a, it is a fascinating question. I have always known from the, the time that I could uh, formulate my thoughts and my ideas and and channel my energies and express them that the theater had a certain pull to me uh, because I could be I could use so much of my personality and so much of my interests all came together. But quite frankly, I the. the I found that I was so frustrated and underused and I couldn't, I didn't have a voice when I did other things as, as, as a mechanism. I needed the art to tell and to validate my abilities and what it is I wanted to say in life. And most importantly, I come from a um, a background of spirituality, of, of theology, of understanding of the humanities. And I think that was my, and um, generation-wise, I have many relatives and I have many, um, my father and mother and my aunts uh, were all in the, uh, the pastoral uh, area and they were ministers of faith and so I needed to find an expression for that, and that was where the theater has always embraced me. Uh, so I think that's why I'm in the theater, because it's always embraced me and given me a safe place to be and become. That's, that's rather interesting, because I, I don't have to tell you, the, the Greeks and the Romans, uh, uh, their theater was also their religion. Uh, you would go see you would go see Oedipus, and it would include rituals and, and other such things. So essentially, uh, you're following your family's footsteps. You are simply a priest of the arts, which is which is quite wonderful to say and to 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 live to live with, for that matter. Um, yes. yes, Gerald. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to speak to you. I know the show is going like gangbusters, and you still have two or three performances left. I'll make sure our listeners know exactly when the show is going up and how to see Dangerous to Dance with at the Dream Up Festival at Theater for the New City. And I wish you luck with this and the myriad of other projects that are sitting on your desk right now waiting for that magic Van Heerden touch. 
Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Same here. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Ciao. Talk to you soon.